My name is Adam Martin. I am the founder of FI Project. I'm a five-time felon and I know what it feels like to be released from jail or a treatment center or a detox or a homeless shelter into nothing. And so the idea was like, could we do a better job by providing services in an F5 fa fashion, which was the function key on a keyboard, which was like refresh. So like every time we met someone, what would it look like if we treated them like none of that existed? So F5 Project is a nonprofit organization. We help people who have uh, addiction issues, homelessness, mental health, and ultimately try and give them a chance to change. I had seen some trends happening with peer support where people with like real lived experience, they were going back to where they came from and they were helping people out of those situations. There's no better way to get over the stuff that happened to you in your past than to go and help people who are currently experiencing it. If you are just tuning in, you're listening to F5 Recovery Radio here on KRFF 95.9 LPFM. Super happy to be here. It's a lovely Wednesday morning, February 22nd. I'm joined with my co-hosts, Adam Martin and Kirsten Huvenin. Uh, this show, if you've never listened to us before, is just basically just a show that just kind of talks about all things recovery. We have different themes and other fun shenanigans and things that we share. So it's just always just a good opportunity to be able to come and speak from the heart from just people in recovery. No, no experts and we're just living life. So Kirsten, how you feeling? How's your life living right now? Good. It's been an interesting week. Uh, my husband went to South Dakota with all the car keys, so I'm driving my son, my 18-year-old son's van, which is turns out horrible. I mean, I can't believe I've been making this kid drive this thing, but he seems happy with it, so I think everybody's first car is a junker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. I think my first car, I think it was my, it was my dad's Buick, I think. But luckily, like, he, like, took care of his car, so, like, Oh, yeah. Kind of got a little lucky with that. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So that's awesome. So, I mean, so it's, I mean, obviously you got here, so I thankfully did. you're yeah. safe. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I think my first car was a Buick special. I think it was $100. Nice. There was a lot of metal between me and whatever <laughs> I would hit. Because <laughs> I'm sure I hit something. <laughs> <coughs> oh. Anyway, so what did you pick for a topic today? Yeah, so today's topic, uh, we're going to be talking about helping versus enabling. So it's something uh, we always try to, so for those, again, who are not familiar with the show, we always uh, try to pick a different topic, something recovery-themed and related. Um, and so I always try to have just a different kind of topic. But I felt like today, like, I wanted to go a little deeper and something a little bit more, I don't say intense, but just something a little more, I don't know. It is intense. It's like emotionally yeah. charged for so many people and mm -hmm. I don't but struggling to find healthy boundaries and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. but but so why did you pick it? Uh, I think I picked it because it was kind of a conversation that I was having um, with one of my, uh, I guess, people that I went, went, went to treatment with. Like after a meeting, we were kind of just talking about that because... Uh, he just had some people or had a particular family member that he was still kind of helping navigate and not even in an addiction sphere. It just, uh, uh, seems like, I mean, I don't know the person, but seems like a pretty solid person, but just, um, uh, helping them like financially and just like trying to get them in school. Cause they're like, Oh, you, you know, they, he went to school. So like, Oh, you need to go to school and 
kind of doing a lot of these different things. And so it was like, as he was talking about it and I'm like, dude, you know, but then it's like, okay, how do I help him navigate this relationship with his cousin or nephew or something, um, you know, to help him not, <laughs> not just go above and beyond for this person. And again, a lot of the, his responses of, you know, nephew, whoever he was, um, of what he was doing with all the resources and time and things that he was doing for him just never really amounted to anything fruitful. And yeah. so it was like, okay. So I was like, you know what, this would be really good to like talk with like you two about, and just like to really be able to see from that perspective of, of, of that. But I mean, so the kind of the first question just always makes it easy. Um, you know, what's the, what do you, how do you define the difference between helping and enabling? Oh man, um, it's early for this. Um, <laughs> I think that when you're when you're emotionally involved, it's hard to be. It's hard to have healthy boundaries and be helpful without enabling. And you have a. Uh, oftentimes, the most stressful part is that you have expectations that either this person doesn't know about or they're not realistic mm -hmm. or they're punitive or it's just stuff like, you know, that you can't control the things you cannot change. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard not to be overwhelmed by all of that and think, you know what the right thing is. It's like when you give, uh, it's like when you give five bucks to the, to the guy on the corner, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, Oftentimes I hear people say, well, I bet he's just going to buy booze with that or whatever. <laughs> sure. And I just think, well, was that why you did that? Did you like it? Give, you give because it feels good. And after that, it's none of your business, really. Right. You know, and um, maybe that's what he needs for the day. Mm -hmm. There's just not, you know, we have all of our like, I think it should go this way. But I think enabling is just doing doing for others what they can do for themselves so mm -hmm. to switch that into empowering instead of like doing it for them with all these unrealistic expectations um makes it emotionally exhausting yep and it's scary i i know that families of people that are addicted are just so scared they're scared that something terrible is going to happen mm -hmm. and um and that might that might be the be the case, but I always said like I protected my kids from everything, and now that they're older, the only thing I can't protect them from is themselves, and that's right. the scariest part, you know. But yeah, yeah. What do you think? I think for me, um, and 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 I and I realized as I was like, <laughs> with the stem from was kind of like judging my mm -hmm. my friend in recovery and his reactions and things he was doing like oh my god you should just stop right <laughs> um but i think for me like the the helping versus enabling a lot of my struggle it's like it's, i i want to enable sometimes like i want to be you know or, or at least in the beginning it always it feels like i'm helping mm -hmm. <clears throat> i don't know that i'm enabling until you know until like to use your example of giving that guy money I don't. I won't know. I'm enabling until I see him take the money I gave, for example, and went to the store and bought booze or drugs yeah. or whatever. So I won't know. But like in that moment, it's like okay, you know, he's asking for money, needs money for food, or, or if it's a family member, a friend, or whatever. It's like, hey, I'm just helping him in that situation. It's like, no, this is what I want to do for that person yeah. because I care about him, and I want to. 
be helpful and you know um but i think you think you can't you don't always necessarily know that you're enabling and i think that's a lot of where my struggle was it's like in the beginning if help helping is good yeah right but i think down the line you know then you kind of see the you know like well how much help are you doing my my overhelping is that is that enabling you know i don't know i think that's my struggle when i start to find myself looking for an end result Mm -hmm. like um if i do this then you know what i mean like i'll just put my cape on and swoop in and (laughs) save somebody and that's just not how it works i um it's we had you know we have family members that are all well, I know I wanted you to feel taller. Oh, Adam, I got Adam a tall chair. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he, his feet are gonna dangle. Oh. oh. Okay. Hey. Look at how tall oh, you are. I don't even think this thing reaches. Oh, I got a, I got a droopy microphone. It's like a bad date. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm gonna stand. Okay. Well, yeah. I could. There's another stool too. I just thought you'd. We're still figuring out the microphones, but um, I don't even know. Sorry. Oh, family members that um, want to be in recovery or don't and, you know, and uh, someone would like them to be or you'd like them to be or you're afraid for their safety and stuff like that. Um, I guess over the years of trying to help people, you just try and create like a safe environment you have to have ground rules you have to have like um like you can be here if you're intoxicated you just can't have people here i want you to be safe you can't have like drugs here whatever your rules are you know like um i'll help you out but i'm not a moron i'm gonna hide my valuables and i'm not giving you money Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh but just the unconditional love is there and not like guilting them into doing what you think is appropriate or um you know like saying if you don't get sober i'm gonna kick you out or you know Mm -hmm. stuff like that that isn't effective or i haven't seen it be effective but just to know that like there's help out there you can come to me and do that but i can't do it for you but that's really scary to let people fail Can you see if the mic can hear me on the on the radio? Mm-hmm. The, is it showing? Yep. It shows my individual mic. Mm-hmm. Oh, gotta be closer to it, but yeah, yeah. Okay. So what was the question? Question was, how do you define enabling versus helping? Could Kirsten, be the MacGyver of microphones right now. <laughs> well, this thing is. I think it's having it's a this. bad day. Right. Maybe. Oh. Difficulties. At least he's not pushing buttons. <laughs> Look at there! Yeah. Oh my oh. gosh! Yeah. Well, You're MacGyver. <laughs> yeah. Who's well, the MacGyver maybe. now? Yeah. <laughs> Single. Life. I think maybe we should commit to like. <clears throat> I'm gonna talk to Christy and see if I can just get here at like 7:30 or something, so that way we can, you know, set this all up <laughs> before we get started. <laughs> So, what was the question? Yeah, helping versus enabling. How do you define it? How do you define helping, helping? versus enabling? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's so a theme. The there's, a, there's a couple different things I think that you have to take into consideration. 
one is it hurtful are you are you being hurt by mm -hmm. the w by helping them right but mm -hmm. you're still doing it that's one you know s most family members that i've seen are more more uh what would you call it w wanting uh the recovery for some people than the person who's actually needing to be in recovery and so mm -hmm. i think it's like it can be it can be hurtful um in the sense of like they have the, the you end up getting super high expectations you know because you're putting in work for them mm -hmm. and um and it's just as much of a disease to be afflicted by someone's alcoholism or mm -hmm. addiction as it is with someone who actually has it and to be honest i think it's almost m m uh, more uh, uh hurtful for the loved one uh because they don't have uh any like release or relief yeah. or That'd whatever you know like for you know alcoholics and addicts you can you can essentially blame you know the 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 anger the resentment the frustration all that stuff on the drinking like on something mm -hmm. where you know the the loved one is is having to blame it on the person which creates resentment mm -hmm. and then you're walking on eggshells and you know they're not doing what you want them to do and then it just turns into you look very similar behavior and thought process as the actual addict right? yeah you know so it, it's you know for it's 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 different from what i've seen for everybody because i've seen some guys who've had everything literally taken care of for them mm -hmm. and eventually um you know through some you know episodes or whatever eventually got sober oh. You know, and then you'll hear people say, well, they got to hit bottom. Well, they definitely didn't hit bottom, mm -hmm. you know, and then some other people, they do. They didn't need, need everything taken from them right. and they need to live life on, on life's terms and they just kind of grow, you know, because of it. So it's different for everybody. So is there a, so is there an absolute answer? I, you know, no, I think that you, you have to be the judge and be honest with yourself on what's hurting you and what's, what you're capable of and, mm -hmm. and what's hurting them and. So what's the answer for code or, uh, you know, enabling and being helpful? You won't know until you know, yep. you know, cause you know, the one thing that I've noticed with family members or, or friends of, of people when they are questioning it is, um, like they always have this thought in the back of their head that if they do one more thing, it might work. Be the thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. It's just like an addict or an alcoholic where it's like, I'm just going to use a little bit or I'm just going to have this one beer mm -hmm. and I'm going to control and enjoy it. And here's how, right? It's the same thing for the loved one or the, you know, the person who's enabling is they, if I just give them 10 more dollars or if I just pay for yeah. the hotel room or if I just whatever. And so what it really comes down to is what are you okay with? And if you're hurting all the time or resentful and angry, then it's obviously not it's you're you're enabling you know because you're doing more than what you you feel comfortable with so yeah does that make sense yeah absolutely jason do you have any like other things of because maybe some maybe somebody listening right now on the radio or on tiktok or facebook might be like i don't know i might be enabling i might not be are there any other so adam had mentioned a few of different things that could be you know you might be enabling if you know, do you have any some other <coughs> things that he didn't mention that that can um, help people? I think a big one is like if your happiness is contingent on their actions, um, you are way too involved in in their uh, recovery or lack of recovery or, um, you know, it's 
it's an illness and it's a process and and they will figure it out if mm -hmm. they want to find recovery they will find it because if if i want to find a drink i will find it and uh so you know reasons like i don't have a ride all of those things those are easy to help with you know and to connect them with someone in the recovery community but mostly anytime you start to feel emotionally exhausted mm -hmm. by it you have to care for yourself or you're honestly n not any good to anybody else and you're miserable so that's awful and there's a al-anon and there's coda and that's codependence anonymous they have those meetings in the area too mm -hmm. uh we do we do family group at the ridge too yeah mm -hmm. nice and i got a message about it on tuesday last week from one of the individuals that has been going for the last three weeks and she said mm -hmm. that like it is uh it is awesome to finally have a safe place to be able to talk about the things that are affecting me mm -hmm. with that you know with from because of someone or a loved one or whatever and tom runs that group tom fry and he is like <laughs> he's like the like the cool <laughs> like dad you know like <laughs> you know like i when i see him i'm like man i like if i was like a, you know a kid i would be like he would have been a great like grandpa mm -hmm. you know <laughs> i hope he's listening to this he's gonna be like, why do you always say i'm old <laughs> you know but he's just he's super uh. laid back he's he worked at you know another place for about five years so he's got that experience and then he came on with us and really liked the whole idea of like peer support and lacs working in a hybrid kind of environment for groups and and he's just I don't know. He's awesome. And he runs the family group. And, and I think the, you know, he doesn't have experience with being an addict or an alcoholic, but he definitely has experience of being afflicted by it. Mm -hmm. And so it's been great, like seeing it develop. So How that's big on, are the family groups? Uh, it's, it's, I think there's only like four or five people that are going currently. So it's, um, and it's on, I believe it's on, uh, it's on Wednesdays, I believe. Okay. So I'll post it on my Facebook or whatever on the schedule. And then if so if you're interested, you can go to that too. So does the loved one have to have someone in treatment there nope. to go? We, we made it for free nice. and open Perfect. to the public. So, it, you know, it's the, the idea for us is that families have paid enough. Yeah, for and, sure. And, right. you know, whether they're, you know, paying for minutes on people's phones and while they're incarcerated or they're paying for their hotel rooms or, mm -hmm. or so, you know, in s some certain, you know, they're paying for their insurance premium so that they can get in to treat, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So we made the, the family group specifically free for because of that. Yep. So this next question that I have, um, I think it's definitely something that I'm, I'm finding myself struggling with a lot more recently, or at least in the past couple of weeks than I have in a while do you feel like so for me i feel like i've been i've been and been an enabler or i've been enabling more people now in my this stage of my recovery than i have ever in my recovery and definitely more than what i used to because i think before i was i mean i was a, i was enabling selfishly because i was like oh man i'm doing all these really bad things so if I just enable some other people, then I can like justify my really, really terrible actions. But now that I'm doing okay and doing the next, you know, I'm doing good things, but I'm just, I'm, there's just more people like whether it's participants I'm helping on my caseload or, um, just, I don't know, people, some, uh, some different folks at church who are just, are just seeing, are just really, really going through some different things. It's just like, all right, man, I'm just like stepping up and just doing all the work. 
yeah. more now than I have been, and I don't know, why, and I haven't quite pinpointed why. But have you for guys? Who? who are you doing all the work? Why do you? Just for just, I'm just, I'm doing more work for people because usually I have really healthy boundaries. Usually I'm like, okay, I'm gonna like, here's some advice, here's some things that I did. You know, you do it, let me know. You know, kind of like guide. But now it's been more of like I'm just doing the work. Are you just talking about like people in like general or yeah? Like I mean, I have some I have some specific people that I know I'm enabling, but oh. without like, yeah. sharing. Well, Cindy kind of asked that question too, where you know, even with people who are like in recovery, mm-hmm. you know, serving people who are like new to recovery, like yep. where's the line mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. enabling mm-hmm. and you know, and you know, <laughs> here's the thing, like from. <clears throat> my experience i guess it's always a trump card whenever i say that (laughs) from my experience um i it's 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 pretty easy for people that are in recovery to uh, to see if they're enabling right Mm -hmm. like it's mainly because they got they at one time got sober right and uh and and knew and probably went through the same thing that that person's going through so Mm -hmm. they you know if you're paying for stuff you know what i mean like yeah. those are the easy ones like i'm right. not going to give you money right i'm not your i'm not your banker i'm not your taxi right i yeah. will help out with those things from mm-hmm. time to time but then like if they're creating a dependency upon those things right then you're not you're not being you know helpful mm-hmm. like if they're putting in you know you can't expect people who are new to recovery to put in a ton of effort right like a lot of times it's like just building an environment for trust and understanding and and then eventually that turns into effort i think you know if there's long as there's clarity and communication and they see you're compassionate you know like they'll they'll usually put in the work but if they're not putting in any work and you're just like you're you're setting up the appointments and you're you know making sure that they're up on time and stuff Mm -hmm. like that like i'm not your dad you know Mm -hmm. I don't even do that for my kids, you know, so (laughs) if that's your expectation, then you should probably find someone else or whatever. So Mm -hmm. I think that's the, it should, you know, even if you're mentoring or being a peer support for 20 people, Mm -hmm. it should not feel like it's a full-time job. It shouldn't feel like you're overwhelmed. It shouldn't, if, and if you're doing, you know, the taxi driving and, and setting up the appointments and stuff like that, like, you know, I can understand maybe the first couple weeks. You know, especially as somebody gets out of prison. But if you're still doing that for them after three months, Mm -hmm. then it's then you're not a peer support. You're their mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you'll resent them quickly. Yeah. But and you're not like helping. You're not empowering them to have their own recovery. Like uh, I think when someone invites me into their life to give advice on recovery and stuff, it's not. Um, I'm not there to fix everything because I can barely fix anything of my own. But um, just to empower them to make those connections to thrive. And I think anytime something's handed to me, it doesn't feel, I don't feel like I earned it or Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not as proud of it or something. But if I go get it myself and it was uncomfortable and I had to challenge myself to do more, then that feels really good, you know? Um, but yeah, when I start doing things for people because I want the pat on the back, it's always selfish, you know? Like, mm-hmm. even the kindest thing I do is selfish because it feels good. I like to do nice things. But if I'm waiting for, like, you know, 
put my cape on and mm -hmm. just <clears throat> oftentimes that does not work out well at all mm -hmm. and um with like uh my first sponsor when i started going to college to do counseling she and i'll never forget it she's like two she said two things if this ever becomes your recovery if this job ever becomes your personal recovery you need to quit it because you will lose all of it and um mm. if you're gonna take credit for people's success you have to take credit for their failure I was like, well, then I'm out because the odds are, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Not super winning in this ball game. Right. Um, but the, the caring for yourself and keeping my recovery, like I have to get to my meetings and talk to my sponsor and do mm -hmm. stuff like that. And there was a lot of times where that got, that line got really foggy and, mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm busy. I have children. I have a career, blah, blah, blah. And then my meetings just got put on the back burner and I slowly but surely lose my mind, you know? Right. Um, so I've tried it both ways and she was right, which <laughs> is, why can't I just listen? Right. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'll try it my own, <laughs> try it my own way. But yeah. anytime you're exhausted by helping, you should not be exhausted by helping, you know? Yeah. Well, if you're just tuning in, this is F5 Recovery Radio here on KRFF 95.9 LPFM. I want to just shout out some people on TikTok who are viewing live, and I see some comments are coming through on Facebook Live. So I want to just thank you all so much for joining us online as well as the radio. So that's uh, always exciting to be able to have have some people listen to us and, and sharing. And today's topic, um, as we always have, try to have a different topic each week. Uh, today's topic is um, discussing the difference between enabling versus helping. And so yeah. We got some questions yeah. on, are you cool with that? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Laura asked, what's the best challenge, what does that say? What's the best challenge that I had come to me in recovery, learning how to earn what I have and stand on my own two feet? I start getting things handed to me and I start taking things for granted and I forget how hard it was to work and then I forget and appreciate what they were handed to me. How do I? Oh, Laura. <coughs> I love Laura. She's great. Oh, you know her? Yeah. Oh, okay. Hi, Laura. Uh, <laughs> and then Cindy said, as being a peer support, I want to watch them grow with the right tools that I received. Mm -hmm. And then Marisa said, the thing with enabling and, and codependency is that the person doing it usually has no idea, especially family. Right. I would agree some somewhat with what Marisa is saying. I think if you feel like crap, mm -hmm. yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like eventually, you're going. It, it, it's going to be one or two things that are going to happen. One, you're going to stop, mm -hmm. right? Because right. nobody wants to feel like crap. The body naturally wants to take the easiest route to feel good, mm -hmm. right? So if you feel like crap all the time, you know it will probably stop eventually. At least for guys, I've seen that happens a lot quicker than it does for females when it comes to that. It doesn't mean that the, it just usually because females are caretakers, so they naturally we're supposed to care. Yeah, yeah. supposed <laughs> to care. Uh, but the other thing that happens is that people, if you continue to do it, you become resentful, and it it creates barriers, and you push them away eventually, anyways. And mm -hmm. so it's like they may not know, but they know, like to their core, something's wrong. Right and it's not working or whatever so but i do i mean it takes a while you know sometimes moms think they're just being moms 
mm-hmm. you know, and I just have a different kid, so I need to, you know, yeah, whatever. Uh, so, anyways, uh, and Laura, I don't really know how to answer, like what Laura's question was. I can read it again. Oh. What's the best challenge I that I had? Laura, retype your question because I I'm kind of having a hard time understanding what it what it what it means. And then Cindy, thanks for the the comments. Uh, and I think it, it's important to remember that everybody's journey is just a little bit different. Just because mine worked for me the way it did, I oh, have to respect like, that it other wasn't people. A question. I have to respect that other people uh, have their own have their own journey, you know, and mm-hmm. even if they fall flat on their face, they're still moving forward. It's like Adam said last week, this whole like recovery is a process and it starts like for Adam, it started 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. The struggle bus pulled in. <laughs> oh, so it hurt. OK, I understand that was the challenge for her was learning how to earn what she had and to stand on her own two feet. And because she would start getting things handed to her and start taking things for granted. So that was a like a thing for her, mm-hmm. you know. So. She's got a heck of a story. If, if you ever get a chance to chat with her. Yeah. Thanks for the clarification, Laura and Christy. So. Yeah. So do you think like, I mean, for, for that same kind of perspective of like, you know, if, if you're the person getting enabled, like, how do you process that? Have you ever been enabled? Wait, am I not, you know what I'm saying? Like, have you ever been on like the receiving end of someone enabling you? In well, your, for sure. I'm, I'm a, you know, like I'm a little shady and I'm kind of a con artist and I'm a good <laughs> liar. So I can get a lot of things. <laughs> um, and usually if somebody is doing that for me, I don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. um but yeah it definitely takes i didn't earn anything i didn't have to feel my way through the uncomfortable parts of that mm-hmm. and it just becomes you know not as meaningful i guess yeah. hmm yeah <laughs> awkward yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I you know for me yeah. i uh so there was probably many times where it looked like when people were helping me, like, cause I was constantly like going in and out and relapsing and ending up in jail, Valley News Live, you know, <laughs> most wanted, whatever. And, most but, wanted. And, and it probably would look like in those groups that it was like they were, they were enabling me, mm-hmm. right? Because they kept taking me back. Right. But I think that was like, for me, that was, I, they didn't weren't inna- they weren't giving me anything other than mm. what I exactly needed, right? So like, mm. if I came back and I was homeless, they let a couple of the guys would let me sleep on their couch for like three days. Okay. Right. I don't think that's enabling because I wasn't allowed to be there if they weren't there, mm. right? And I could only sleep on the couch and I could not make any long term commitments to mm-hmm. be there. Right. They would, you know, if they had you know food in the cupboards, they'd let me eat it, and you know, but they never gave me money. So that was very structured you know, going from couch to couch to couch mm-hmm. or whatever. And and at the same time, it, like, created a vulnerability that I had to be, you know, rules, mm-hmm. and I had to follow them. And if I didn't, I was out. Like, they didn't give a crap about, yeah. you know, if you if you had a place to live or not. Like, right. if, you, if you don't do what we do and, like, stay in recovery or whatever, then you can go where they don't do that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like, and so... Uh, but at the same time, they were, like, super, like, loving and graceful, like, yeah. while I was there. And, and so, 
uh, and they always took me back no matter if I relapsed or if I screwed up or if I caught a charge somewhere else and then yeah. came back. It was, you know, because I stole, when I got that five felonies, <clears throat> you know, one of the guys that, uh, um, that helped me when I came back was the guy that I committed those felonies on when I stole mm-hmm. the U-Haul and broke into that business. Like of all people, right. it's funny because somebody stole a U-Haul earlier this week and I was like, wasn't me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy, Jeff, comments on there. He's like, I remember that day or whatever. Oh, yeah. and, no. uh, and he was the guy that I, you know, I robbed. And he was one of the first people that when I came back, because of his lived experience in recovery, mm-hmm. was able to separate my behavior from the, from, from the principles which he lives by today. That's and huge. I walked into the group and he, like, gave me a big hug and told me that it was he was glad that I, he was glad I was there. Yeah, is that enabling? It would be if me and Jeff lived together, maybe. Right. Maybe, like, and yeah. he was my brother, and he was mm-hmm. just like, but he didn't. He didn't get like he wasn't out anything mm-hmm. by helping me. If yeah. anything, we both gained an insane amount of trust for each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. And so, can that happen in other places? Yeah, but it's different because I know Jeff may not. The titles and the details may be different, but mm-hmm. I know he did the same thing in his life, right. and it made it a lot easier for me to talk to him and like create an environment for growth. Mm-hmm. That's the benefit of lived experience. Right. Like a doctor or a plumber, like who do they learn from the best? Plumbers. Right. Doctors from doctors, you know, uh, you know teachers from other teachers, right? Like it, it makes sense that if you want to build a recovery community, that you should, have, you got to have people in recovery that yeah. you're mm-hmm. you're working with and building with so yeah and the beauty of recovery is that like you said we don't shoot our wounded like and that's the grace you talk about when uh because people are always like i don't want to go back i'm uh they'll think i you know who <laughs> it doesn't matter they're just happy that you're there there's n- no judgment like mm-hmm. we've all dug some deep holes and um uh you know we just want you to be okay and make it. So whatever you did before, if you're willing to take the action now, that's awesome. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, do you think there needs to be any accountability? Like for a person who's either has been an enabler or been enabled to that. So for example, to Jeff, like that you see him in this room, do you like apologize and say, Hey, I'm sorry. Or oh. anything like that. Or is it just kind of like a, Water under the bridge and just not bring it up because <laughs> you well, know in that particular uh i'm just using that example that's a you just pretty good i mean that's yeah. a bit like i you know <laughs> i stole a bunch <laughs> of stuff you know i mean i i didn't end that that night ended with like three different businesses and a u-haul and i mean i was on a terror like mm-hmm. i and I actually, I got caught because, uh, well, I mean, because I was supposed to, but <laughs> yeah, I got, illegal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you get time to like look back at things in the yeah. bird's eye view and then you kind of look at like, so, you know, I, uh, I went to Sunmart and <laughs> I went to go buy smokes. Yeah. I mean, I just stole like yeah. $80,000 worth of stuff and I'm going to go buy a pack of smokes for like four bucks, but. I went in, but no one was behind the counter. And so then I just jumped behind the counter and grabbed a carton and I left. Right. Mm. And so when, when I parked the vehicle and the cops were called about the vehicle, they went in and they searched it. And apparently with cigarettes, 
there's tracking numbers to the stores that they're sent to. Oh. Right? And so what they did is they, they, they found the store and then they watched the video. And because they know who I am, <laughs> they, they figured it Most out real wanted. quickly. And then, you know, they, they call the, some of the, anyways, long story short, when I came back, um, I think Jeff was probably, you know, he could either create the environment for the opportunity for that sorry to happen. Mm hmm. You know, or yeah. I think he could have done what I think most people would have done. And he would have just, he would have dis, you know, excommunicated me from his life and then just let the justice system figure it out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, there was multiple people that I owed amends to that, you know, and, but Jeff was the first one mm-hmm. that I went to because I had had a, a recovery relationship with him and I was going to have to see him every week. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and plus it really hurt because he, I mean, I knew Jeff from recovery and he was my employer. That's why he got robbed is because he right. was the guy who was employing me. And I broke into that business. Mm-hmm. And so there was a level of like, um, what would you call it? Like, uh, not, I was, I, I was really hurt that I hurt him because he was my, my recovery buddy mm-hmm. and all the bridges that I had burnt. The one places where I hadn't done that really yet was in recovery. And so when that happened, it was like the final straw. Like I literally burned everything to mm-hmm. the ground to even to the people who identified with me yeah. were like, ah, Adam's not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember a time when me he and, never gives up though. Yeah. Me and like six or seven other guys decided, hey, you know, our, our route, you know, our recovery platform wasn't the way and we could start drinking again. And we, <laughs> and we left. <clears throat> and started uh, this little, you know, group of like church, right? It was like a church group, you know, because mm-hmm. we, we were better, you know. And we, so one night we were like all in the basement and we were like having drinks and stuff. <laughs> and like halfway through the night, the guys who left the recovery group with me approached me and they're like, yeah, we think you should go back. <laughs> like, I felt like I was like the Dave Mustaine of like, you know, recovery. They, they were like, man, you party too much. You need to go back. I was like, I met you guys in that room. And you you talked me into I this. I was like the alcoholic of alcoholics. Yeah. It was like, you know. We got a problem, but you got a problem. Yeah, you have a big problem. <laughs> And so anyways, Jeff was the first one. And I, you know, I just, I went to him and I told him, I was like, dude, I screwed up, man. I'm bad. It wasn't like a typical amends. It was like, it was like, it was like buddy code. Like I, I need help and I screwed up. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, Jeff is, I mean, he's been a part of my life for the last nine years Mm -hmm. in some way or another. And so does, is there a level, was it, I think for Jeff, there wasn't an expectation. It was like, if it work, if it happens, it happens. Right. And I think for me, that's the same way I have to be with people who wrong me mm-hmm. or hurt me or whatever, is that I just, it's not that I don't, I don't think there should be accountability. I just, I don't want to have expectations on other people because every time I do, mm-hmm. I fall short. Yeah. You yeah. know. And I'm not the one to hold them accountable. Right. And truthfully, none of that is personal. It's just it's alcoholism you know what i mean yeah it has nothing to do with me i just happened to be the one who owned a u-haul what were you going to do with a u-haul i was going to go i was gonna you didn't have anything to move (laughs) 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 i was moving stolen goods oh sure and i was gonna go to the black market oh 
And Where's I, but, that? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize it was like a like a like a the cloud, right? Of like goods. I, I thought it was like an actual store in Minneapolis. The black market the called black the black market. Yeah, yeah, and I was I'm gonna sure. go and like offload a bunch of stolen goods. So Yeah, I totally get it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could have probably talked me into that road trip too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, that's awesome. Well, uh, we just want to shout out, of course, uh, some of our amazing underwriters for the programming here on KRFF, LPFM, Radio Free Fargo. Uh, it's being underwritten today by Flatland Guitar and Luthery. Flatland Guitar is your full-service guitar shop and your exclusive dealer for Yamaha, Taylor, Paul Reed, Smith Guitars, and other brands. They sell guitars on consignment. They take trade-ins and have a full-service on-site repair center. Check out Guitar Flatland Guitar and Luthery on Facebook, or you can visit them in person at 1450 25th Street South here in Fargo. Hours are Monday through Friday, 10 to 6, Saturdays 10 to 5, and closed on Sundays. Kind of like Chick-fil-A. Closed on Sunday. That's I don't awesome. know that I've been there. Why is it closed? Because it's, a, oh, it's like a religious church. church space. It's like a church mm-hmm. restaurant. Mm-hmm. It, the CEO or owner is a Christian. So this allows me to be able to sure. encourage their staff to be able to find a church home or some sort of higher power oh. place on Sunday. Is that what they say or to go to church? Well, if they say, church. like, go find God. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can't directly say that. Well, I mean, they, they can. probably yeah, they could, they could probably they do whatever they wanted. They could say, sleep in. <laughs> 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 That's where I find God, when I'm sleeping. Yeah. Not really, but... <laughs> that's probably what i would tell them i'd be if i worked at chick-fil-a i'd be such a like a pain oh i i probably I know would. that's one yeah. button i can't help but argue yeah i just yeah we should we should we should have a, a show and talk about higher powers and and maybe not yeah i, know, I was, I was <laughs> like oh, i dig I it i really dude, I think it's I, fascinating it, 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 it is awesome. fascinating. i dude, i went to uh like i got super into it for a while where i like i really like theology and philosophy and i mm-hmm. you know why because i think we can as long as people are willing to engage in discussion without taking it personal yeah. right like i'm all about it yeah. and every once in a while you'll find some like the most random person that you thought would have been like oh this guy's gonna like be a you know kind of a pain about having this discussion or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like he's just going to think he's that, but then you like get into it and you're like, man, this guy knows his stuff and he's like super engaging, you know? Yeah. It happens from time to time. It's usually from what I've seen, people who are newly converted mm-hmm. that ha- struggle with it. Like it, they can't, they can't just ha- have a conversation. It's like absolute truth. And if you don't believe it right now, you're going to, you're, something bad is going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe. Uh, I'm, maybe. I'm already at the bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you come back from that. Yeah. <laughs> but there's like, I, I see even the recovery circles kind of going down the same path or whatever is like religion did where it's like, you know, like their platform is the way, you know, yeah. and they just get really hostile with the idea of anyone, you know, any other kind of like, it's like they created a monopoly of like this is the only way but and then they and then if somebody does get sober a different way they're like well he probably he wasn't a real addict (laughs) or alcoholic or you know Mm -hmm. or what was it this uh week oh the na beer thing yeah that's happening like it's becoming kind of trendy for mock trails and or mock trails mock mock Tales. drinks Mm -hmm. or whatever mock Mm -hmm. tales Mock tales yeah yeah. and na beer and stuff and you know 
And I'm like, yeah, that's super cool. I, you know, if I could do it, I'd do it. You uh-huh. know, I, I mean, also, I would also drink, you know, three, two beer, you right. know, instead of five, eight or whatever it mm-hmm. is, if I, if I could, but you know, even the environment triggers me. Mm-hmm. I'm just oh, like, man, sure. I can't, I'm holding a Heineken that says NA on it. I could be I'd having r- way more fun. I could fun. be having a Heineken, <laughs> you know, instead. I just don't have the control mentally mm-hmm. for that kind of stuff or whatever. So, you know, I, I know there's a group of people out there that do that. And it's like, it's cool that they can, you know, but like a lot of people, I've heard a lot of horror stories mm-hmm. of people who started that way. Yeah. You know, and that, that platform of like mocktails and, and NA, you know, where they, that they're okay with that. That is not a majority. Mm-hmm. The no. majority is abstinence, one hundred percent of anything that even looks like it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. right. why? Because why? why? I don't know. Yeah. It's. Yeah. I mean, I. I get. I mean, if you're out in a social environment, you know, and stuff like it even says in the book that you know we read, if you have a good reason to be there, sure, then be there, you know. But, and I did it when I worked at High Point. Like I was in sales, and I was constantly in situations where there was drinking. Mm-hmm. You know, would I have, if there was an option for an NA beer or whatever, would I have done? I always just got Red Bull or ginger ale. So that mm-hmm. was kind of like the international signal that you're sober. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so, I mean, it, it, you know, I to each their own, I guess. I just, I'm not a fan of like promoting yeah. it because there's so many different kinds of recovery out there. It's the same reason I don't promote what platform I do. Right. Yeah. What's more important is the recovery, right. you know. Yeah, many ways to the yeah just quality of life for sure yeah yeah so for this last like 10 minutes um the kind of the last question when i was doing some research to uh talk about today's topic um i was learned that there's a a concept <coughs> um there's a from the teachings of Alanon. they have this concept called detachment with love have you guys ever oh, heard yeah, of that yeah, before yeah. is yeah. that yeah that was a brand new term to me um that i just hey just how read many al does yeah. it take to screw in a light bulb oh i don't know gosh. None. They detach and let it screw itself. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, that actually makes them sound really awesome. Yeah, <laughs> they are really awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, yeah. One. I usually Alan on jokes from people who are in recovery are like the opposite. Yeah. yeah. So that one. That one was good. We get credit for like, oh, you went to job your job today. You know what I mean. <laughs> my best one was when I was at a a, a meeting and this guy was ta- telling a story and he was like he was like yeah and then I you know threw up and then I downed another <laughs> beer or whatever and everyone's laughing, you know and I'm, there's probably people watching right now like why are they laughing, you know but then the Alanon was like I had to clean that up. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I never thought about that part. Yeah, yeah. but it was just it was Sorry, such an no it, yeah but it was such an interesting concept yeah. of like. I'm going to love you, but I'm going to just separate myself and let you flounder, fall, consequences, do all yeah. the things. I and have and to that be act healthy. of, I have to be healthy, but I'm still going to continue to love you while, you know, I mean, obviously I, I was the person addiction. So like what, it was just it, like a put a new perspective of like what my wife and my mom specifically, like those two are probably the two most critical yeah. uh, people in my recovery process of like, why it was so hard and why it was i couldn't understand they couldn't understand me but then i couldn't understand them i couldn't understand yeah. why they needed to do that why they needed to they were loving me and they were helping but like it was a very like very clear like defined like this is not how things are gonna go and That's it just good, good yeah, for you but it just i mean it took five years but but i had never heard that term before of like this that that that's what they were doing they were making that conscious actionable 
we will love you. We say we love you, but this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And this is what we're not going to do. Yeah. And then, and then thankfully, you know, obviously I just kind of stayed, stayed with it and stayed in recovery, but just, I don't know. It was just they gave you room. They empowered you to do for yourself yeah. instead of, um, just like, Oh, you blew all your money on mm-hmm. craps or I don't even know what you do, but, uh, <laughs> I'll pay your rent. You know what I mean? Like, that's <laughs> yeah. not helping. That's, that's not right. helping. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I like that. Detached with love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for people who are like in recovery or at least long-term recovery, that just comes natural. Like mm-hmm. when we are dealing with people who are in or trying to be in recovery, mm-hmm. I think maybe at first we give them, you know, we'll probably give them more chances than most, yep. you know, probably would or whatever. But, um, but eventually the time comes where you realize like I'm hurting this person. Right. And my, you know, I never, I've never been in the position where I felt like that until my son got older Mm. and then he was kind of, you know, living that lifestyle for a while and he's doing amazing today. Like I am so proud of him and he'll, it got to the point where, you know, I had to kick him out. Yeah. And it was, that was the hardest thing. And mm-hmm. he probably thought, oh, this is so easy for you, right? Because I'm, you know, I put on the, the face, mm-hmm. you know, in the, you know, the authority, you know. But, man, yeah, I just, I couldn't even, I had to, like, completely detach from him because it was so hurtful to know that I was, like, kicking him out. And wow. I probably dealt with more, you know, in, in the moment kind of trauma mm-hmm. of that, of doing that. Because, I, you know, my history with him, too, is that I wasn't there early on because i was using and drinking all the time and i was a felon you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and and so when i had to like do the thing that you know were people that had to do for me or Mm -hmm. whatever man it hurt because it was just like you know because i just want to help him right and i just want to love on him and i want him to be there Mm -hmm. and i realized that you know during that time that i'm the last like i can't yeah we're too emotionally connected to each other we're never going to be able to have a genuine conversation without you know because Family members are always looking for something mm-hmm. when you're when you're having conversations that they end up without even knowing it that they'll end up using against you, mm-hmm. right. right? Or you know, uh, um, or it just triggers memories of you know whatever. Like it's just it's it's not healthy for either side. Right. And I just had to like let him go, hmm. right? And it letting go looks like kicking out. Right. And then what happened was is that he had to live life. Yeah. And yep. he learned real qu- he learned probably in months what would have probably taken me years to do yeah. as a father. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, hard. So it sounds like in that detaching and with love actually helps a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. It's painful. I mean yeah. uh, from what I mean it's I've scary, never had I to I never so had to do it, it but when my when yeah. my brother wanted to get sober, I'll never forget that phone call. He called it like seven fifteen in the morning as I'm walking into work, and I thought, "Oh, this can't be good," you mm-hmm. know. And um, he just he just said, "I I think I need to uh, quit drinking and doing all of the things." And um, thank goodness for recovery. Thank goodness I had been around long enough to just say like. This is going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get you some numbers. <clears throat> and I love you no matter what. Because you might not get it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because the odds are so 
awful. And I just wanted him to know that no matter what, mm -hmm. I love him no matter what. Mm -hmm. Even if he can't get sober, because that's, he did, and he's amazing. Um, I'm probably his biggest fan. I think he's just hilarious and so kind, but anyway. Uh, my brother, like my brother and my son, both sober. And both completely different platforms than mine. What, how? Yeah. What did they do? I have no idea. Oh, okay. Like they, that's probably mm, better. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, I think my, you know, my son has, you know, found it with like good, you know, good actions and going to work and mm -hmm. like he got a, you know, a girlfriend. He's really good to her. And like, you know, f I think for some people, if they just get the life that they've been wanting or whatever, a mm -hmm. lot of them change. Right. Yep. And, you know, he, from time to time we'll have real good you know conversations about what to do in certain situations but overall like he makes good decisions yeah and then my brother was like you know he he got help from people that i never would have ever asked for help you huh. know what i mean like yeah. he just found something in them a lot more approachable than i would have mm -hmm. and so like and i could have ruined that i could have yeah. been like those guys don't, you, uh, you don't want to hang out with those guys those mm -hmm. they yeah. don't really they're not really doing recovery right you mm -hmm. know but like you know I, luckily i had a mentor who was just like you just gotta stay out of their way right. whether it works or not it's none of your business yeah you know like it that's their life and so i just stayed out of it and then if they ever asked questions i would just share you know, my experience without an agenda. Yeah. And yeah. leave it at that. And then looky look, they both got sober and they're staying sober on completely on places that I thought I never would have. Yeah. You know, just because I didn't mess with it. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing that I think that we could all learn in recovery is there's so many different platforms. And if I, if I, if I pick them apart, I may be taking away an opportunity for my son to get sober. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're all traveling. We're all traveling on different roads to the same place, and oh. and it's none of my business. It's not any of my business until I see something hurtful. Then I'm then I'll probably say something. Sure. Right. But if it's just something that I just don't think would work, that's none of my business. Right. Oh. You know. Yeah. yeah. And even if they never get sober, that too is their journey. That's mm -hmm. their journey. And if they want information, of course they can come ask. But that's really hard for I don't, families. Too. I don't need to. You mean they're going to do stuff and not get sober? There's a chance. Yeah. Nope. There's completely a chance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just got to love them while they're on the journey. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have 60 seconds. You guys, anything you want to share before we close? We're going to talk about God next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ricky's the one who organized it. What are we doing? Ricky went to school to be a, or no, or mm -hmm. he did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was a youth pastor. Yeah. So next week it's a... Uh, we're going to do F5 Christian Radio. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't know. <laughs> no, I appreciate everybody. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, the Ridge is, you know, has walk-ins, uh, you know, 730 to 1130 at the F5 office. So if you're looking for treatment or you're looking for uh, peer support or connections, you're more than welcome to stop by the office anytime. Well, between 730 and 11:30 Monday through Thursday. <laughs> Yeah, well, this is F5 Recovery Radio. This is uh, your host, One Pretty Ricky, with my co-hosts, Adam Martin and Kirsten Huvenin. Thank you, KRFF 95.9 LPFM. We will see you again on the flip side.